0: welcome back future fans it is episode 30 of future flicks with billiam and we have a big week for you we have a little news and we have nine movies this week that's nine movies and quite a few of them are indie films so we'll see how the indie circuit is doing with their latest round of offerings so that leaves the question what will my pick of the week be it's the week of february 17th and this is future flicks well, welcome, 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 everyone. Let's just get right into the news with our first story brought to us by The Guardian. Eviscerated Lamb Chop James, a.k.a. E.L. James, is the latest author to get unprecedented control over a movie based on a book they wrote. This, of course, being the Fifty Shades of Nay series. It was reported that the playwright Patrick Marber had been hired to write the Fifty Shades of Grey script and did a better job than James ever could have. Everyone involved loved it. People who read it said it was a good script, except for the emancipated loogie James, who hated it. I guess (laughs) authors don't like good writing. Unfortunately, she had the final say and said no. While Marber disagreed with her choice, he respected her right to do it, as so should we all though i wish i could have seen the movie that was supposed to be so much better we have two stories in the world of batman the batman is getting a new script and a new release year this time it's been pushed to 2019 that's a pretty impressive task seeing that there's no director And the script is either going to have heavy rewrites or get a page one rewrite. All this according to Collider. Uh, This website lost some of my respect in this article when they called Dawn of Justice's Batman a fascist. A fascist is a word that morons or constantly offended social justice warriors throw around and never used correctly. Screen Rant reported that rumors are floating around that Ben Affleck wants to leave the project entirely. So we just heard that there's no longer, that he's no longer directing the script but we'll still star in it and produce it. But Screen Rant reports that someone from Collider, so Screen Rant reported that Collider said that there have been three separate sources saying that Ben Affleck is looking for an out. It's too early to tell what is true and what isn't, but if he does leave, it'll devastate the Warner Brothers already suffering DC Universe. Shailene Woodley is officially passing on the Detergent TV movie. I'd tell you more, but I didn't fully read the article because I fell asleep reading the title. Finally, according to Trevor Moore's Instagram, there's going to be a Whitest Kids You Know movie. If you're not familiar with them, then do yourself a favor and watch the Whitest Kids You Know skit, What Really Happened to Abraham Lincoln. You're welcome. Well, that is all the news in Hollywood that has mattered to me, did I miss anything? Let me know. You know how to reach me. Let's get on with the movies, and the first movie, and the only movie this week getting a release date other than the 17th, is Girlfriend's Day. Ray used to be the biggest greeting card writer around, but after losing his inspiration, he falls into a rut with days made up of drinking and watching bum fights. When the city creates a new holiday, he tries to get back into the business, but finds out there's more to this new holiday than anyone could have imagined as he gets pulled into a world of murder and deceit. This stars Bob Odenkirk from Breaking Bad, Amber Tamblyn from Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, Rich Sumner from Mad Men, Stacey Keach from Nebraska, and Natasha Lyonne from Orange is the New Black. Now, this was co-written by Bob Odenkirk, who was a writer on Saturday Night Live before he was Saul on Breaking Bad. This is a dark comedy, and so much so that I think it's more of a drama first with a bunch of humorous moments in it. This is a Netflix original movie, but that doesn't always mean it's going to be good. Netflix just has a better track record. Sure, it could be good on so many technical levels, or even for fans of those types of movies. So if dark, dark comedies are your thing, check this out. If not, then pass on it. Of course, if you have Netflix and anything about this interests you at all, it's worth a shot. Worst case scenario, you don't like it, you stop watching, and you start watching something better. I watched the trailer twice and can't come up with enough to say about this movie. It looks like it has potential and could be good, but it's just too dark for my tastes. When it comes to dark comedies or dramedies, I like a certain balance, and I get the feeling that this one doesn't quite have that balance. Girlfriend's Day comes out on the 14th and gets a 4 out of 11. Next up for this week, my friends, is a cure for wellness. Lockhart is a young executive who's been tasked with retrieving the CEO of the company from a health retreat in the Swiss Alps. On his way out, Lockhart gets in a car accident and becomes a patient at that retreat. He learns that their cures may be the start of something more sinister. This stars Dane DeHaan from Chronicle, Jason Isaacs from The Patriot, and Mia Goth from Everest. This was directed by Gore Verbinski, who worked on the Pirates of the Caribbean series, and was written by Verbinski and uh, Justin Hythe, who wrote Revolutionary Road and The Lone Ranger. This movie looks like the love child of Shutter Island and the backstory of the house on Haunted Hill. This is going to be a psychological thriller with a sub-genre of horror. It's going to be one of those movies that makes us ask ourselves, what's really going on? Just like Shutter Island, who's really the crazy one? Is it the doctor played by jason isaacs is he going to be the bad guy or is he just a good guy and dane dehan is the one who's insane the good thing as far as the story goes is that we've seen both types of endings so either way it won't feel run-of-the-mill or overdone this is going to be a frustrating movie as well because the assumed bad guys are going to have the upper hand with dehan being inside their facility. Every step forward he takes, he'll be met with new and more difficult opposition. It could also get frustrating depending on how heavy they play the questionable sanity angle, or even if they play it at all. This trailer could have been the trailer guy pulling the wool over our eyes, so only time will tell. There's also the possibility that the company is behind it and Dahan is somehow in the way of their master plans. There are plenty of possibilities that will give this movie an ending that will be surprising and satisfying as far as story completion goes. A cure for wellness could benefit from the theater treatment in the sense that the digital surround sound would enhance any auditory element. Like when someone is going crazy in the deafening silence with sarcastic air quotes thing that psychological movies love to do happen this is at the very least going to be an interesting movie if not good it was written by and stars reliable people remember always be wary of websites early reviews because they either they're either just trolls or morons who are judging the movie before it comes out or they're critics who go to early screenings and you should never trust a critic why do i bring that up because a lot of early reviews on this say it's not very good. This movie is going to be a safe bet and worth keeping your eye on just in case nothing else this week interests you. A Cure for Wellness gets an 8 out of 11. Next up, future fans, is the first of the indie movies coming out this week, so let's move right along to My Name is Emily. Emily is a teenager who decides to run away from her foster home. Her goal is to break her father out of the psychiatric hospital he's been admitted to. She enlists the help of a classmate who has feelings for her. This stars Ivana Lynch from Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix and all of the subsequent movies, Michael Smiley from The World's End, and George Webster from a show called Tripped. This is an indie movie lover's wet dream. The only thing that would give an indie film fanatic a bigger boner would be if the love interest was a girl. Other than that, this is the perfect small-budget foreign flick. It's British, so there's no subtitles, yet they can feel fancy for watching a foreign movie. It's full of dry British humor, and it's a coming-of-age story told through the eyes of a girl who's rebelling against the status quo. Okay, all of that was more making fun of the hipsters and commentary on the movie itself, so here we go. This looks okay. Just okay. We've seen movies like this before. Sure, the story could have newer spins on the same story or even go in a completely different direction closer to the end. But remember, I can only base my Billiam's Interest Level score on what I see from the trailer. Hipster Trailer Guy is notoriously bad at making trailers. He either makes all of these movies look the same, or he goes so batshit crazy that you can't tell what the hell is going on. Either way, when the Hipster Trailer Guy is at the helm, the movie looks bad. This film is also a bit touchy because the writer and director Sam Fitzmaurice was, and still is, suffering from motor neuron disease, which is like ALS. The instinct of some people would be to watch this movie and then find things to love about it and calling the director a hero, but we can't do that. Simon Fitzmorris should be applauded and honored for working through this terminal disease to finish a project, but we have to be honest about how we feel about the movie, otherwise it will cheapen it. So he did something amazing. He fought through this disease to complete a movie, so good on him for that. That is applaud worthy. Now let's watch the movie as a movie. Let me just wrap this up by saying, I'll probably watch this movie if it ever shows up on a streaming service. But right now, I have to be honest and say I'm not interested. My name is Emily. Gets a 5 out of 11. Alright, future fans, we have one more movie before that break, and it's another indie film. So get your boner pants ready, movie buffs. This next one has a tent-pitching-worthy cast. That movie is in dubious battle. An activist gets caught up in the labor movement for farm workers in California during the 1930s. This stars Nat Wolfe from Paper Towns, James Franco from 127 Hours, Vincent D'Onofrio from Full Metal Jacket, Selena Gomez from Spring Breakers, Sam Shepard from The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, Robert Duvall from The Godfather, Ed Harris from Apollo 13, and Brian Cranston from Argo. This is based off a book by the great John Steinbeck and was adapted to the screen by Matt Rager. Matt Rager has a hard-on for two things, literature and James Franco. This guy has written four movies and all four star James Franco, and three of the movies are based on classic literature books, two of them by Faulkner, As I Lay Dying and The Sound and the Fury, and this one by Steinbeck. This one was also directed by James Franco. This movie looks great, but it's already being sh**ed upon by critics. You all know how I feel about critics, but let me dive a little deeper into why. If you read enough of one critics' review, you'll start to see their bias. Certain actors also tend to bring out their biases. And James Franco tends to be one of those actors due to his lack of giving a sh-t. He'll do a fantastic Academy Award-worthy performance and then go do The Interview or Pineapple Express. He does what he wants. I'm not claiming I'm without my own biases, but at least I'm honest about them. All right, back to the movie. This cast is amazing, and the only thing that leaves me scratching my head is the addition of Selena Gomez. You're taking all these top-tier actors and adding a former Disney star turned pop singer? All right, all right, all right. I know, I know, I know. This could be the role where she shows us that she has what it takes, but why not someone else? Why not Lily Collins or Dakota Fanning? It'll be interesting to watch this and see if the casting director made a good choice with her. John Steinbeck was one of the greatest authors of all time. He wrote literature so we all know this movie isn't going to have a happy ending. Even if none of the main characters die, the price they pay will still be heavy. This film looks like it was filled with great performances so it's well worth a watch. Indubious Battle first hit the scene at the Venice Film Festival on September 3rd of 2016, and is only now getting an American release. The release schedule states that it's getting a limited theatrical release, but that it's also getting an internet release to go along with it. However, my Google foo says that it can't be found online any sooner than March 21st. So while this gets a limited theatrical release, it looks like they're banking on this making its money in the post-theater market, seeing as there's a DVD Blu-ray streaming release date in one month, even though IMDB claims that it's getting an internet release on the 17th. This is going to be a very realistic, historically accurate, and heavy movie that's not going to bother pulling any punches, just like Steinbeck's novels. It's worth a watch, but at home. Nothing about this screams that it needs to be seen in theaters, if you can even find it in theaters. Indubious Battle gets an 8.5 out of 11. And with that, my friends, it is time for our first and only break here on Future Flicks, so stay tuned for a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Good journey, nerds. All right, and we're back, and let's just keep this heavy movie train a-rollin' with Land of Mine. A group of young German POWs are forced to dig up two million landmines with their bare hands along the beaches stormed on D-Day. This is a joint Danish and German historical drama directed and written by Martin Sandvilt, Most of us average moviegoers won't know who this man is, but he's won a grip of awards at various international film festivals, including Zurich, Toronto, and the AFI Fest. I want to see this movie, but just like most foreign films, I'll have to wait for DVD Blu-ray streaming. It's getting a limited American release this week, so if you're lucky enough to live near a theater that's going to show it, then this may be worth checking out. This movie is going to make your a**hole pucker like no other movie before it. And what's going to add to the puckerfication of this movie is the fact that it's based on a true story. I don't know how honest of a telling this is, just because from the looks of the trailer, the Danish sergeant in charge of the young men seems to befriend them. So did that part really happen? It's hard to tell. What's really sad about this movie is that they're just kids. I know I've said before that there are two groups of people you can kill in movies and know in Bats and I. Clan members and Nazis. But the hard truth is that not every Nazi believed in the cause. An untold number of them were part of the fight because they had no choice. They were soldiers doing what they were told. Land of Mine is going to have a brutal honesty to it that's going to show us the human side to the enemy soldiers we're so used to seeing as simply evil. Did any of these boys really want all the ethnic groups exterminated? I'm guessing no, otherwise this movie probably wouldn't have been made. If these boys were evil, the movie would have had a laugh track to go along with each exploded landmine. Keep an eye out for this one. It should really be good and show us a side of a story we all thought we knew. What happened after the war? What happened to the soldiers who didn't believe in Hitler's cause? What about the human beings involved in the war whose only crime is following the orders of a government who would have killed them had they refused? Check out this honestly sobering movie if it interests you at all but check it out at home. Land of Mine gets an 8 out of 11. Next up on Indie Flicks, because that seems like what it is this week, is Love Song. A young woman raises her daughter alone while her husband works. One day, her friend convinces her to go on an impromptu road trip, and their relationship deepens. (laughs) This stars Jenna Maloney from The Neon Demon and Riley Keough from Mad Max Fury Road. This movie has film festival bait written all over it. You know what I said earlier about My Name is Emily and how the only thing that would have made it more of an indie movie lover's boner fest would be if the guy was a girl? Well, here we go. There's nothing wrong with same-sex relationships in movies. Let me just get that out of the way before someone jumps down my throat about it. But in movies like this, it's like they're used as part of being festival bait. Like, look at us, we're so edgy. The woman is finding herself by escaping her man and bonding, quote-unquote, with her best friend. If the friend was a guy, she would be a whore. Since a best friend is a girl, it's artsy and okay. We've seen this movie before. There's nothing original here. You can tell this is recycled bullshit just by viewing the trailer. There's this part with a voiceover from Jenna Maloney where she's talking about being free or some sh** and they're on a carousel with their eyes closed and arms out like they're flying. Like, look how alive we are. We're so hip. Give us awards. It amazes me that indie movie crowds let the directors get away with this sh-. Some big budget company makes yet another action blockbuster, and they take the dumps all over it. But another indie director makes a movie that looks like every other movie that came before it, and they're fine with it. This movie is a waste of time. Do not see it. The only reason it isn't getting a lower score is because I like the actresses in it. That's it. Love Song gets a 2 out of 11. Next up on Indie Flicks is Everybody Loves Somebody. Clara is a doctor who almost has it all. The only thing she's lacking is love. Her parents are getting married, and she invites a cute co-worker to the wedding. But at the wedding, her ex shows up and complicates things. This stars Carla Souza from How to Get Away with Murder, Ben O'Toole from Hacksaw Ridge, and Jose Maria Yazpic from Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Yet another movie that's been done a million times before. This looks like Bridget Jones's Diary and My, beg- and my Big Fat Greek Wedding Got Drunk and bupped Uglies and Somehow the Baby Came Out Mexican. Why Mexican, you ask? Because it's a Mexican movie. And half in Spanish. So there you go. There are two things this movie has over Love Song. First, this looks as cute as it is cliche. At second, I actually laughed during the trailer. I'm not gonna make any time to see this, and in fact, the only way I'd see it is if it makes it onto Netflix, Hulu, or Amazon Prime. That's it. This is going to be a breezy chick flick that may bring a smile or two with it, but is honestly not interesting enough to warrant any effort to go see it. This one looks better than Love Song, and also a completely different movie, but it's still not worth the effort. It's just another love triangle. Does she go with the bad boy who broke her heart before, or does she go with the co-worker who's safe and cute? If you like movies like Bridget Jones and Don't Mind Subtitles, then you may want to check this out just later. Everybody Loves Somebody gets a 5.5 out of 11. All right, my friends, we have two movies left this week. That's two movies and one pick. You know my usual spiel. What's my pick of the week? Well, I'll tell you what my pick isn't, and that's Fist Fight. Campbell snitches on Strickland, his fellow teacher, and gets the man fired. Because of that, Strickland challenges Campbell to an after-school fight. This stars Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Ice Cube from 21 Jump Street, Tracy Morgan from 30 Rock, Gillian Bell from Workaholics, Kumail Nanjiani from Franklin and Bash. Christina Hendricks from Mad Men, Dennis Haysbert from 24, and Johanna Garcia Swisher from Once Upon a Time. This was written by the duo of Evan Susser and Van Robichau, who are set to work on the 2018 Sonic the Hedgehog movie. So God help us all. No matter how good these two are, that film is going to flop like an overweight free willie. This is directed by Richie Keane, who's directed shows like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Franklin and Bash. This looks funny, and I know I'm going to see it. Cube and Day are two reliable leading comedic actors, and they're stepping into familiar roles in this movie, so they should be able to hit the ground running. The supporting cast is amazing, filled with comedy elites, and the director knows his way around comedy. The great thing about this movie is that it's a straight-up comedy. They're not trying to do anything else but be funny. I've laughed every time I've seen this trailer. I could go on, but this one is really up to you. If you want to see a comedy, then you see this movie. Ignore A Cure for Wellness and my pick and see this. But if you don't have that comedy itch this week, pass and check it out later. This is the kind of movie I'll skip in theaters and just buy the moment it comes out on on any sort of sale. Reliable comedies are great because you can just buy it or put it on your list and watch it the minute you need a laugh. I bet you this is going to be one that you can go back to over and over again. I'm just glad that they're not trying to tack on some bullying is bad story to it. Okay, the whole story may be that bullying is bad, but it's not going to have that serious undertone. If it does, it will ruin the movie. At most, I'd expect them to have a thing at the end of the credits, some nod to an anti-bullying campaign or something like that, but that's it. The main story may be pretty unique, but these are familiar jokes, and you know what? That's okay. But Billiam, you may be saying, you just took a monster sh- all over Love Song for it for being by the books. Why does this one get a pass? Good question, dear future fan. Allow me to address that issue in six short words. This is a comedy! It's okay! There are certain genres where it's okay to have a predictable by-the-numbers movie, and this is one of them. Fistfight is going to be funny, and it's going to be funny no matter how you watch it, on the big screen or on the small screen. Fistfight gets a 9 out of 11. Well, if you did the math, my friends, if you did the math, you know that there's one movie left. And if you've listened before, you know that I have a pick that I always do at the end. So what is that pick? That pick is the Great Wall. A group of mercenaries from Europe are searching for black powder, but instead find themselves in the middle of a battle at the Great Wall of China, helping to protect the world from a horde of monsters. This stars Matt Damon from The Departed, Tian Jing from Kong, Skull Island, Willem Dafoe from John Wick, and Andy Lau from The House of Flying Daggers. This is directed by Shang Emo, who directed the Jet Li movie Hero, and the Christian Bale movie The Flowers of War. This movie has six different writers attached to it, three for the story and three for the screenplay. The story was written by Max Brooks, who wrote the book World War Z, not the movie that had nothing to do with the book, Edward Zwick, who wrote Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, and The Last Samurai, and Marshall Herzkowitz, who wrote Nashville, Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, and The Last Samurai. For those of you who don't know, Max Brooks is a son of the legendary Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft. Anne Bancroft, of course, was in movies like The Graduate. She played Mrs. Robinson. Cuckoo-cachoo. The screenplay was written by Tony Gilroy, who did Star Wars Rogue One and the Bourne movies, Doug Miro and Carlo Bernard, who wrote Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, and The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Why did I bother to tell you each and every person behind this? Because I wanted you to just to get a hint of how much was put into this movie. This was a result of of America and Chinese efforts. Chinese director, lots of Chinese actors, and a wuxia-style cinematography coupled with two famous american actors and a script from a bunch of americans when this movie was first announced it got a lot of because of matt damon people were saying that it's an americanized chinese movie blah 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 but those people are stupid just a little rookie level google foo showed me that the chinese wanted matt damon they wanted his star power in the hopes i would help legitimize chinese movies in america it won't but they can sure hope it can the great wall looks fun over the top visually pleasing and a great action movie with kung fu and matt damon so what's not to love this looks beautifully shot with better cg than you'd normally see in foreign movies i mentioned the term wuxia earlier and for those of you who may be confused wuxia is now a subgenre of kung fu movie like crouching tiger hidden dragon or house of flying daggers so just think of those movies having a more american influence when you think of the great wall it looks well written well acted, well shot, well everything, but it's not going to be any kind of serious award contender. What it is going to be is fun. It's going to be a spectacle to watch and best suited for the big screen. This is my pick of the week because it looks like it has everything going for it. I may end up seeing a cure for wellness instead, but I will see The Great Wall, if not in theaters, then the minute it's ready to own. The Great Wall gets a 10 out of 11. All right, friends, well, that's it. That is it for this week. Allow me to wrap this up as I always do with my housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast listening app, as well as a somewhat nerdy website that is somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you'd take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I'd love five stars or a like or a share. Any sort of support would be great. Leave a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. And how do you reach me? Great question. Leave a comment for me on the somewhat nerdy website or the Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter at BilliumSWN. Email me at billionreviews at gmail.com. Instagram at BilliumSWN. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network and the Watch Your Mouth Podcast. Forget Check them out too. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy, signing off. I'll see you in the future.